Um, I, I really wanted to start an ongoing joke today about oh. showers. Okay. And I wanted you to end up realizing that the only possible solution, like the only possible name for this episode would be showers. Oh, and then okay. I wanted to, to do the same thing next week and have it be called growers. Like, so we have growers and showers. I don't get it. Because showers is spelled <laughs> the same as showers. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. I thought of it when I was in the shower today. Don't, um, don't. That's a today. That, that's a, that's a shower thoughts. That's a Reddit, Reddit shower thoughts. acceptable podcast episode 215 i bet 15 oh yeah i you know what i knew that because it's uh philadelphia philadelphia and, and some of the surrounding area as well uh, go carson wins oh wait wait never bucks, mind not anymore bucks and montgomery counties in the commonwealth of pennsylvania wow where every week we get together a bunch of people who run a comic shop and also hang out shirtless and hug each other as often as we can, but not for the last 10 months because this whole stupid mask thing. Masks are great. Skin on skin. More skin on skin is my point. Uh, and we'll get back to that soon. But until then, we'll just keep talking about the comic books over Zoom because we love comic books. Every Tuesday, we get a whole bunch of them into our store. That's a lie anymore. No days make sense. <laughs> Comics don't arrive on time. They come in a week late. It took us 20 minutes of talking to figure out what books were actually this week. We engage in a variety of tangents audibly about the comic books that came into the store this week or other weeks. Uh, the shop itself, the structured home with which we dwell and share our friendships and the comings and goings of our lives, which more and more frequently are occurring in our actual physical homes. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. My name is Django Shipment, ready for UPS Boren. What that means is that um, about a week and a half, on the 18th, February 18th, we were supposed to have some books here. They were sent out of, they were supposed to be picked up from UPS and in Mississippi in Mississippi and everything that we can do only just tells us that our boxes are ready to be picked up by UPS. We called, they were picked up by UPS. UPS is holding our boxes hostage somewhere in the middle of the country. We have no idea when they're going to come in because we can't find their tracking information because tracking information is no good. If you don't scan them in, <laughs> I, I think that they're in a train car in the middle of nowhere, stuck in a snowbank, just kind of hanging out. It's the perfect I, crime, isn't it? I'm imagining like a Toy Story situation where the Batman comics get out and hang out with the X-Men comics. I was thinking of a different thing. I was thinking it was a Breaking Bad situation. The perfect crime had been executed and somebody had gotten all of these comic boxes and was holding out in a tra train car in the middle of a cold, wintry forest waiting to then resell them all themselves on eBay devious 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 i'm jeff and I'm for the sake Django. of this podcast i'll Roman. be that alex lifeson to my Django, getty lee and my roman neil pert i have to learn how to play a music instrument now no bud you're just i'm not uh, a good musicer 
man, I got to learn how to write songs and play the drums and ride a motorcycle. <laughs> it's just a yeah. metaphorical, it's just a metaphorical thing, right? Like for, you know, for today, I'll be the entirely passed over guy on the guitar. Django will be <laughs> the guy, the front man, but it's not like the front man because he's just singing Roman's words. You know, like we're all right. really just closer to the heart when that's Roman. Jeff and Roman just rush kick lately. Roman just, you know, likes motorcycles to some extent. It's well, everybody likes motor. We all like motorcycles. You just tied Rush into that Bob Dylan quote I'm in love with. That was really good. Well I got done. you. I got you, boo. Um, Look, I've been deep let's in never a rush. say that again. Okay, <laughs> I agree. Deep in a rush hole lately. Uh, I found a documentary, it's on Netflix. Everyone should check it out. It's fantastic. Um, and I was excited to be watching it because in the last six months, I have had more than one Tuesday with Roman where we have listened to a lot of Rush downstairs. I know that Roman likes Rush. Uh, so Roman, the thing is, um, this documentary is, it was called rush beyond the lighted stage, beyond the lighted stage, I think. And there is another documentary that I'm going to wait to watch that is called rush time stands still. And it's like a documentary and live concert footage. And I'm going to wait until we can watch it together. No rush. That would uh, all rush that I would love to because I just read about that one today. And I think that's the like the last one they did before yeah. Neil Peart died. Yeah. Um, yeah. We could just make this episode about like rock and roll comics. I, I know there's at least a couple of rush comics I read over the years. Clockwork Angels. <laughs> uh, that? Yeah, that's right. Oh. Yeah. Um, I didn't read it, but I'm interested. OK, anyway, sorry, I'll rein it in because I know no one came here except for Dino to listen to me talk about Rush <laughs> with Roman. So. Uh, we're going to talk about comics this week, and we got a slew of them. We're also just going to let people start talking about comics this week, because really, um, I know that it's a point of privilege to be talking about how hard it is to know what comics are coming out at a given time, but it is really, 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 really hard right now. So I don't know. It, well, just start talking at some point. I, I read Family Tree number 11. Did you guys read that? Wow. Oh, I love Family Tree, especially especially when Billy's out in the yard playing with Barfy. Did they all become Jeez, wood at some bitch. point? Yeah, the sister becomes wood, and she's poisoning the world. And this this issue's split between like future stuff and and past stuff. And what do you give it? Well, I'd, I'd give it a solid seven and a half. Yeah, I'm excited that's for the, the last issue. That's the lowest Jeff Lemire score I've ever heard you give. Yeah, I mean it's a little derivative of Jeff Lemire. <laughs> it's like Jeff Lemire doing Jeff Lemire, but with wood. Yeah, like do you ever hear Bob Dylan cover Bob Dylan? No, because it's not a great idea. This week, we're going to be talking about some books. Here are some of them. There might be others that crop up. I hope that you'll be forgiving with us because we're trying <laughs> really hard, but it's like holding sand in a, in a windstorm. But Is I that bet- invitation still open? Because I read Savage Avengers number 18. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I read that one too. <laughs> we're going to talk about Last Ronin, number two, I bet. I bet we'll talk about King and Black number four, I bet. I bet we're going to talk a little bit about Thor number 12 at some point, I bet. I bet we're going to talk about Black and White Batman number three, I bet. I bet we talk a little bit about Steambound number one or Young Hellboy number one or a slew of future state books like Dark Detective, the final chapter of that, or Imperious Lex, the, the capstone to uh, Mark Russell's run on that. We might touch a little bit on X-Men Legends number one and anything that Roman decides was a last week book, you know, like <laughs> we it's it's so hard. Everyone. <laughs> it, it, it is so hard. Um that superman war wars we talked about that last war. week we, damn it we did okay that never was mind. on the podcast it was really good 
It was, <laughs> as our previous discussions would lead you to believe. I meant Aquaman. Future say Aquaman was really Aquaman. great. Aquaman. It's like somebody took our clock and just shook up all the numbers. Yeah. It's like yeah. somebody put uh, eggnog in our milk containers. It's like it's not clockwork angels. It's clockwork debos. It's like a clockwork. Rush reference. I'm going to be working on it, even oh, though I'm a student oh. of the Rush at this point. Oh, it's a shower of Rush. The rush shower for sure. Last Ronin, number two, story by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz, script by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman, layouts by Kevin Eastman. And I think that there was some pencil, there's some pages by Kevin Eastman in this as well. It felt like it, but like the pencils and inks are Esau and Isaac Escorza. There's a lot of creators on this book. And Maybe Ben it's... Bishop and Kevin Eastman. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. So I do ah. think those were Eastman pages in there. Okay. That that makes a lot more sense because that, that flashback looked a lot like Eastman to me. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And I've never even read... Have you read the original... Have either of you read the original Turtle comics? Some of them, yeah. Yeah, I read a couple of them when I was pretty young. Probably starting around number seven or eight is my guess. Roman, does that stuff that... like? Do you remember... Did that come into the store while you were working there? I don't... I think that was before I worked there. I, I know I've read them in um, different collections over the years you know i don't i don't know if i've ever actually read any original issues hmm. but i remember like the story i introduced in casey and that kind of stuff it's interesting how rooted this book seems to be in turtle history so there are things that i just don't know about for example i think there's a reveal on the final page of this issue that went entirely over my head i'm excited to hear if either of you know what it was spoilers this is a comic podcast we talk about books we're going to spoil them hopefully within the next five seconds of one of these two guys tell me what robot head they find we're fugitoid fugitoid that's okay fugitoid head that's um, cool i knew i recognized it yeah and i don't know a whole lot about fugitoid but it was i think it was set in the turtles universe and it came out from mirage studios probably coinciding with i don't know gosh probably a sub number 10 of of ninja turtles i almost feel like it may have been like before turtles and it was what they thought was going to be big. There's a great, maybe it, so for anyone interested in turtles, there is um, a documentary series on Netflix called the toys that made us. And one of them is just all about Ninja turtles. It's less about the action figures, but actually about the history of the Ninja turtles comic books and, and sort of the fallout that happened with Eastman and Laird and, and the franchise as a whole. But it talks about fugitoid in it as kind of, I think that they thought that was going to be, what got them some attention and then it ended up being turtles could be wrong though that's awesome yeah, yeah. fugitoid number one came out in 1985 um and ninja yeah. turtles number one came out gosh i should have known that before i started talking huh no i mean listen you're beautiful and that's the most important part 1984 okay so if turtles was first just just barely though yeah yeah that's uh -huh. awesome I don't even remember Fugitoid. We had the issue of it in the store for a long time here. Yeah. 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 I think uh, Sean and Shayla ended up with it because nice. it's so closely tied to the turtles. Not super valuable, but a super cool little like medium, medium rare back issue. I bet that it becomes a little bit more valuable after the appearance of that Fugitoid in this issue. I yeah. also, you know, thought that like that first issue if you've got a copy and it's a first printing, like good on you at this point, I think it's a like last run in number one, first printings are kind of hard to come by Yeah, for all the different reasons that went into it. But this issue has like the first appearance of Casey Jones's daughter, Casey Jones. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that seems like it's going to be relevant to turtle history. Speaking of Ouroboros, think about like trying to read the price guides and figure out which Casey Jones they're talking about. Yeah. Casey Jones, female symbol, Casey Jones, male symbol. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this, this kind of gives us a, a real nice sort of past and present storyline going on at the same time. And uh, we, we get to see the, uh, surviving turtle michelangelo still kind of hallucinating his brothers hanging out around the dinner table and pouring them all tea um and and what we the other thing that that i thought was a really cool reveal is that um april missing one arm and one leg is living in the old turtles sewer hideout uh, i thought i thought that was a nice little touch yeah i like i liked it all i i thought that was a little bit confusing sometimes because we're jumping between a couple time frames and you know all turtles were red originally and then they had colors after that but we also spent flashback time with Raphael who was wearing red there's just a couple moments that are talked about and actually shown throughout all of this that not unnecessarily difficult to follow but um a, a little bit tricky but yeah I I really liked it. I'm surprised. Like, I really like Roman and I both really like the Sophie Campbell turtle stuff. Yeah. But it seems to have like a tonal center that feels kind of removed from the style of turtle comics as I understand them. This one falls a little bit more in that we're talking about different ninja clans and honor and, you know, samurai and just like different people that I've never really heard of. And that's not really been a factor in the, the Sophie Campbell stuff that I've been reading and enjoying. So I'm surprised that I'm enjoying being as steeped in deep turtle mythos as I am. That was one, one of the things that actually confused me in this, in this issue um, since it's based in original turtles. And I think in this issue, the flashbacks and the current time, they all have red masks like they did originally. They don't No, They've, they've got their colored masks. Oh, they do. Okay. But yeah. there is an extended portion that we're spending with Raphael, who's wearing red. And I thought it was a little confusing it, as to who he was in that scene. And yeah. it felt, I wondered like, oh, are they doing the thing where everyone is red? So I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. I, I, I'm enjoying the series, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a deep dive into Turtles history that I don't know. The Sophie Campbell stuff, that's, that's built on the modern current turtle stuff that doesn't get into that old stuff so much and it's very sweet and yeah. fun and this is pretty dark and heavy yeah which from what i remember is original turtles is well it's you know it's basically frank miller's the hand and everything except with turtles yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i forget actually that that is like it was such a daredevil influence but yeah this this stuff feels very daredevil yeah as, as somebody who is pretty ambivalent about turtles, I'm 100% in on this book. I think it's really well done and, and really interesting. Well, outside of any comedic references to YouTube videos that have been popular or something, Django, you know I love turtles, and I have for the entire time we've known each other. So um, I'm enjoying this, and I have a deep reverence for turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja and otherwise. So uh-huh. I, th- I thought this was pretty good, and the art, I really like the art. I, I think if you can easily get your hands on it and you've been curious about turtle stuff, I think it's real good. I'm going to give it an eight. Me too. I'll also give it an eight. And, and they haven't even revealed yet, have they? How What happened to his brothers? Well, we did see how Roth died in this one. 
Yeah. Oh, that's right. We did. Yeah. I would guess that that's, that's going to be the next two issues as we see how the other two died and then we'll have two issues of revenge or one issue of revenge. Yeah. Uh, Well, Roman and good on you for being such an amazing human being, amazing human being. You've brought all of your comic books back to the store because they're coming out at weird times and who knows what's going on. A human being. He's the best that there's ever been, in fact. The best <laughs> Teen- there ever was. Teenage mutant human Roman. Yeah. God, I wish I was that. Um, <laughs> King and Black number four. Let's enter the Kate's Gate. Let's step Ooh. just beyond the realm of the foggy ethereal. Let's, <laughs> let's step into the graveyard where Satan dwells and spend some time with Daniel Cates. Wait, no, different person. Um, <laughs> to, uh, that was King the Black- devil. Yeah, 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 yeah. King oh, of Black number shadow. King of Black number three ended with a big cliffhanger that uh, Silver Surfer Black was showing up at the outside of the symbiote covered Earth, and so number four deals with again the people in inside the planet, and then Silver Surfer trying to get in, get through, bust some shit up, and uh, there's a pretty big reveal at the end here, and it is that. <laughs> Before we get uh, to the reveal, can I ask a question? Absolutely, Roman. Drive so, this boat. I so, hate. Myself. Oh, I, I can't. I can't drive the boat because I've been cheating on these issues, and I don't actually read them. I just kind of flip to the middle, see what's happening. And I flip to the end to see what the uh, revelation was. Is that just <laughs> but, Donnie Kate's books or just King and just, Black? Just, just King and Black books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read all, everything. 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 All books. You know. I read every comic that comes out, but what that means is I look at the middle and I look at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read five panels of each comic. Um, well, no, I thought in a previous issue, didn't Thor get like impaled? Yes. And in this issue, he's fine. There is a phenomenal reveal in this issue. There is. In that uh, not the very end, but a weird thing is happening and the Noel can feel his mind being uh, infiltrated by somebody and we don't really know what it is. And there's just this gorgeous reveal of Jean Grey showing up in her like classic Marvel girl outfit and mm. Ryan Stegman's art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I loved that Roman reveal. I could use some context for that was also mentioned in Thor this week is uh, Dr. Strange has been in, imbued with some type of Asgardian um, power. And that is, he he takes dons that costume in this and then he also it's referenced in thor when did that was that in donny cates's uh doctor strange run or what what is that um this looking guy yeah it says back in doctor strange 381 through 385 but doesn't say what year that was or who wrote it <laughs> i don't huh. think i don't think it was donny cates i thought that was it might have been during mark wade's run it's when loki became sorcerer supreme for like three or four issues okay. dr strange had to fight him by taking as guardian power from the world tree okay that sounds like maybe the wade stuff yeah could be this before kate's okay so well it's it's pretty rad and i i dug that i, I like you know silver surface attempt to get in throughout all this but the big reveal the cool thing Django, what do you got? It's donnie kate's <laughs> it is donnie kate's run from recently when they did the legacy numbering okay i believe it what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I didn't read it either way. That's like one of the only Donny Cates things I didn't read was his Doctor Strange stuff. Yeah, me too. But at this end, we get Eddie Brock is imbued with the the Enigma Force, which is like the 
I only know it because when I was a kid in 1994, I got the 1994 Marvel Masterpiece card set that I used to go to the trading card store in Colville to get. Uh, there was a Cosmic Spider-Man card and he had this weird like galactic space outfit. I was always like, what outfit is that? Like what comic is that? And I never understood it. And as an adult, that's always stayed with me. But now Venom is getting a chance to be imbued with the Enigma Force to become a uh, Cosmic Venom. So that's awesome. Big. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's when you get Im- imbued with the uh, the power of Eddie Enigma. Oh, it's a Riddler thing. Yeah. I love just Donnie Cates doesn't give a fuck. G- yeah. Give me all your toys, Marvel, and I'm going to melt them down and make something new out of them. Um, he's just so good at that. He is. And I love that kind of, when I got to that page, I was so thrilled. And the fact that they're like, oh, there's this opposite cosmic force to the the darkness that Noel commands. And it's this light force. And, and I was like, oh, I don't know what kind of light force. I guess I made up something new. No, it's the enigma force. That That's what get made. Ca- blah. It's a cosmic power it, it, that Spider-Man got once. And it's usually turned somebody into Captain Universe. When Spider-Man got it, he was like, captain spider verse yeah captain universe spider that was the card i had yeah yeah and it just gives whoever gets it cosmic power cosmic awareness you're just a all of a sudden bumped up to like you know level 25 superhero that card is vivid in my mind jeff yeah it wasn't until you said cosmic spider-man on a marvel universe there's a couple one's got his arms kind of like this and he's trying to hold reality but there's a different one where it's like him like kind of holding his hand out that i found and sent to will elmer while we were talking about it awesome (laughs) yeah it continues to be bombastic big donny kate stuff i i love it I, i try to sandwich all my donny kate stuff together and kind of go on this adventurous psychedelic ride that he shamanically leads me through and uh yeah, it's it's fun. It's I think it's getting better, right? I don't Yeah. I think his Venom stuff was a little like as a whole, his Venom stuff has been kind of lackluster. The his Thanos at the beginning is a very high mark, but in general, I think he's kind of honing his craft on like exactly what it is that he his flavor is. And between like Silver Surfer Black and this um and Thor, like it's he's really finding his voice and it's just consistently consistently fun i didn't read it because i somehow missed it when i was pulling my books but it's one that i'm definitely going to bring home with me you're like oh this is from three weeks ago i don't need this right <laughs> now i must have read this at some point have i showered <laughs> you know the events in, in this king of black are so big that wasn't there like another kind of significant event that's i don't know that was all easy to miss didn't silver surfer like he was because at the end of donny kate's silver surfer series he's he's all like cosmically burned or whatever, but blackened mm-hmm. in this issue. Isn't the blackness taken off of him somehow? Um, he's still black when he shows up, but I don't know if like the energy that becomes the Enigma force, like comes off of him or something. And that like facilitates it, but he's still, he's still like a dark silver surfer when he's standing there outside of the planet. In oh, okay. Issue. Oh, I'm thinking of the, but the he does variant. pull a light out of him. Okay, I'm thinking of the variant cover because one of the variant covers, the one they call the spoiler cover, he's having the blackness taken off him. Or I'm thought maybe it's the the null blackness. I'm not sure. Yeah, it is it is a little confusing. I, I would love to look at that variant. They've been doing cool variants in it. Yeah. <sighs> Roman, okay, so you've just glanced at a couple pages in this, but you're digging it enough to do that. Yeah, I am. I mean, I mean, yeah, 
the endings and and then I flip back and read some more usually because it's it is I think getting more interesting um when I saw the last two issues this one when I saw that Enigma Force I was like wow that's a cool idea that used to think be a thing featured in like Marvel Premiere or Marvel Preview or one of those anthology books for a while is Captain Universe and the hero that could no that was Dial H for hero the hero that could be you <laughs> um did you give it a score for your pages for my pages i'll give it a nine okay you uh, and, read good pages and yeah, not to yeah. relegate you to the side jingle but well let's just stay in the, the kate's gate here and get to thor are you reading thor no okay i'm not um but roman you are it's one of your I favorite am. books yep i love thor and this is probably the first issue I've ever read that features Throg as heavily as it did. And <laughs> I am on board. <laughs> but the first page is this horrible dissection of a frog. And it's talking about the legacy of Throg. And you're like, oh, my God, he killed Throg off panel. And yeah. Oh, what a what a what a dirty way to start the book. Because the same thing for me. I was like, oh, my God, he's dead already. This is horrible. Yeah. Um, did, did you ever have to dissect a frog in high school? um oh my god i had a fetal pig yeah i had a frog oh yeah wow. see i was i was a slacker dummy in high school and so i never got to a high enough science level where i had to dissect anything which i'm very glad because even though i grew up on a farm killing animals i, I didn't want to dissect one in school <laughs> i don't know if it surprises you roman but i was in all advanced classes growing up so doesn't I was surprise in, me <laughs> i was in advanced bio and we fucking dip pigs in formaldehyde and then cut their asses up and now i would have a really hard time doing that as a pet owner um do you have a copy of this issue in front of you roman i do well let's let's go through it a little bit because there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in this issue uh, like just starting with the Throg stuff, I, I like Throg and Lockjaw trying to take down uh, Donald Sutherland or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> Don't look now. <laughs> um, sorry, that's a Donald Sutherland movie. Um, Donald Blake. <laughs> Donald Blake or Kiefer Sutherland or something. I don't know. <laughs> Let me be clear. I'm <laughs> Thor sometimes. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I think that like the, the Throg stuff was awesome. I awesome. I love <laughs> I, the Thor book. It's great. Throg is really good. And I love Lockjaw. Um, and uh, the <laughs> shot of like Throg just pounding the fit out of Donald Blake's head with his hammer is fantastic. But like we get a full page spread of this tiny frog just lightning hammering the fuck out of Donald Blake's face. And I love, 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 loved that but roman it, yeah 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 it's pretty amazing um this issue made me want to reread the the walt simonson story that introduced throg because you know i read that years ago i have it somewhere but i haven't read it in forever and i was and i was thinking is throg cool like a couple pages in it's like wow he's really cool yeah um mr wilmer said that he's been reading throg as he appears a bit in al ewing's guardians of the galaxy run which i'm not reading but he says he's equally hilarious and adorable and equally violent in that. So, yeah, yeah. There's a scene in this when uh, he attacks Don Blake and Don Blake grabs him and eats him, basically stuffs him in his mouth. And a few panels later, Throg like burst out of his mouth, knocking teeth out and everything. Cause he, just, oh, he hurls his hammer first to burst out of his mouth. And then, and then he pops out of his mouth himself. <laughs> I love how Donnie Cates kind of continues to ratchet this stuff up. This Thor issue, like Donald Blake is, uh, 
scarier than most Marvel villains are. Like there's a there's a violent insanity to him in this series that makes me more unnerved than your Thanos or your Ultron or something. It's a very uh, just violent and unrepenting. It's yeah, I, I, I really, really dig what he's doing there. And I think it's brilliant. And I bet other writers will follow in the footsteps of using this character in this way because it's such an important part. It's Donnie Clay- Cates to his T. It's an important part of Marvel history that hasn't been analyzed in this way. And he's just saying like, well, I know everyone knows Donald Blake. That's a part of the history. I'm going to use it and mix it up a little bit. And if I fuck it up, whatever. Yeah, and he's it's amazing because Donald Blake was always such a toast guy. I can't remember a single story where he ever actually got mad. And yeah, in this, he's he's a outright sociopath or psychopath, whatever the difference is there. But he's a scary, murdering, horrible guy. And he's he deeply feels like he's been wrong, so he needs to exact revenge. So I yeah. really dig that. I love that you said milk toast as well. That's a very Roman thing. And it's a word a, I learned from Stan Lee. Yeah. And there's a great reveal at the end of this, which is that Valkyrie, Jane Foster, the total badass that she is, is pulling pulling Odin back into the fray. You've got a mess that you need to clean up and this is all your fault. Get the fuck off your ass. Love it. Wasn't he dead? No, like he stopped being Odin. He kind of surrendered the throne crown to Thor in a recent big Marvel event that wasn't okay. Empire. Yeah, right before War of Realms, maybe. Or maybe it was at the end of War of Realms. Or end of that. Or, okay. or, but yeah, I, I love this lap page because she finds him. He's in some interplanetary bar. And he's got some big, goofy, like, what do you call those chains that hook to, like, to your wallet, to your belt? And he's... Spawn chains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's just wearing a, a sleeveless shirt and his head shaved, but he still has his great big yeah. old beard. <laughs> He's looking he's, cool. Yeah, and he's got his big Odin boots, golden boots, but the rest is just like a jeans and a wife beater. We haven't gotten enough follow up on human looking Beta Ray Bill since his force has been sucked out of him in like two issues ago. That's his horse force. His horse force. Yeah, I'm excited for that series, that new Dan, Daniel Warren Johnson series, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone pre order that if you haven't yet. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I would give this issue a pretty high score. I'm going to go 8.5. Wow. Um, oh, and the way they use colors on this page. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to, you know what? No, you're not. I'm going to have to Odin force this. No, book. put your Odin force back in its giant oversized tank top shirt. I think I should just do it a 9.5, a 9.8. No, I don't you care what coward. you do. I love it. Don't okay. knock you down. You got to have a 10 every week. Okay. I'm going to gooey it. I'm going to throg it. Oh my throg, god. Throggy duck. Oh, oh no. God. The throg. Ew, God, no. I don't even want to joke about it. Moving on. Django, we just Donny Cates for a while. You're supposed to be reading Donny Cates books and you're not reading either of those. One of them's just a mess up. The other one is I'm just so far <laughs> behind. Like I, yeah. I, I read the first two issues of Thor. You know what it was? It was that costume. I don't like the costume, so I quit reading the comic. <laughs> but he was, turned Galactus's helmet into the bridge of Asgard. That's pretty good. Yeah, but he didn't do it before he got that dumb costume in yeah, like issue right. one right. or two. And I, I just, I lost all interest in Cosmic Thor. Don't, I, don't undo Jerry World. Well, um, you know, you could read this issue because I don't think Thor is like in one panel, but it, it's really intriguing me. You're and, right. He's not in it. Or actually, he's in three panels, but he's, you know, screaming, trapped. And I, it's back I did, to the main story. I read at the beginning of Pandemic, the 
Jason Aaron's Thor was one of the books that I brought home to read from start to finish because I had never read it and I loved it. So I suspect that I'll probably read all of this at once at some point, but the, the month to month grind uh, added with that costume just tapped me out. It was, it was an easy exit. I love but, You that. know, speaking of King in Black. Yeah. I read Savage Avengers number 18. Nice. And I've been dipping in and out of this book. I never, ever regret reading one. I, I have, there's been so many like tie-in issues to events lately that I keep not reading it, which is stupid because you're right. I never regret reading it. It's yeah. It's always got something either like heartwarming or hilarious. And so I, in order to, to prep myself for the issue, I read the, the previously on, you know, on the first page and, uh, one of the last lines in there is the symbiote long buried within Conan was awakened and promised him the power to finally defeat the evil souls, sorcerer Kula and Gath. So apparently at some point I missed the fact that Conan has a symbiote inside of him. No, that we read that. That was like the first 10 issues or something. Well, I have no concept of yeah. nothing. But those late books that we've been getting. I guess I just didn't know that it was still inside of him. Yeah, but that, that's, that's, that's weird. part of the, the Donny Cates absolute codex. carnage, yeah. like the codex and everything. So, okay, fine. That makes sense. But it opens with Conan holding a sword made out of a symbiote. But it's all like loose and floppy and talking to him. And it just gets, it just gets more nonsensical from there. And it's hilarious. Like... It's half Deadpool, half Conan, and all absurd. I like how is this ridiculous thing still tickling me every single time? I liked it. I would give it a seven and a half, maybe even an eight. Wow. Seven and a half? Eight? Eight point five? Nine? How many cooling gaths are you gonna give it really if you're actually using the scale of cooling gaths? All right, I'll give it a dearth and a thirth. All right. That's what I was looking for. One dearth and a ghoul and thath of a thirth. So good. Um, uh, yeah. And, and they're, they're teamed up with this other guy. Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but he's, he's somebody that I'd never seen before. And at some point, so the, like the, the Deadpool and Conan uh, third guy is Nightflyer. And after you know deadpool gets shot in the face and then shot in the butt and his butt smoking while conan rides off on a cop horse with deadpool stuck on the front there's there's a bit where nightflyer says unless you got you suddenly got beef with me and conan's like i care not who you lie with some of the finest warriors i know bedded their own i just want the pay right and it's like nightflyer is worried that conan has something against him for being gay and Conan just like totally brushes that off. He's like, no, I don't, I don't care. I just want to make sure we get paid. Right. And I thought it was just a nice little bit of characterization with Conan where he's like, I don't give a fuck. Like just I'm, I'm a mercenary guys. And, and, and just, I don't know. There's, there's just something about that, that interaction I thought was pretty good. That was cool. I really liked that. And it, and it's so it evolves the character. Cause you know, Robert E. Howard, Conan's creator he, he would have never well he would never have conceived that kind of line for Conan you know it, it's everything that I don't know why I ever skip an issue of this comic because it always <laughs> entertains me and it never taxes me it's it's just like exactly what a comic book can do 
Bath and a Thirst sounds good to me. I want to very briefly talk about X-Men Legends number one by Fabian Nicieza and Brett Booth. Did anybody else read this? Creator of Deadpool. Yep, co-creator. Brett Booth? No, No. Fabian Nicieza was writing (laughs) New Mutants at the time. Good one, Roman. (laughs) Um, This, I guess I just want to say that we've joked a little bit like I have this wanton nostalgia for X-Men of the nineties in terms of the animated series and the art style at the time. Really I, just any blue and yellow costumes Jeff gets horn for. Yeah. I mean, I'll get a, I'll get horn for a lot of stuff, but that'll definitely do it. I just, I guess it's probably of the times to be writing a story. That's just not very good <laughs> with cool art and like you're writing about X-Men legends. This is supposed to be X-Men of the 90s. And you spend almost the entire issue with an unknown Summers brother, at least to me, Alex or Adam. I, I, I don't know. It's No, that's a Kubert. Sure. The, Alex Kubert. I actually well, there's there's the an art, Alex Summers too. That's Havoc. Yeah. Or maybe Adam X is his name. I don't know. Um, it's, it's just basically Havoc and Cyclops trying to track down this kid that is apparently their brother that is telegraphed or told you at the beginning and then they only realize it at the end when their dad shows up from Star Jammers. It really is as 90s as it could possibly be because I think it looks awesome, uh, looks exactly like I would want a book about the 90s X-Men to look like. Like bitchin', right? Bitchin'. <laughs> but the they're choosing to, like, you're writing a, you should be writing about the 90s X-Men animated series cast. And instead, I'm spending a lot of time with characters I've never seen or know anything about. And you're doing it wrong. And they've tried it before, this like X-Men 94 when it came out. Mm-hmm. I guess we were at the old store. But again, you're missing the point, guys. Do the art style, but write it with good new writers. Don't have it be the same writers. Like, I don't know. They're... To me, Marvel needs to have somebody saying like, yes, do these things where you're trying to capitalize on the nostalgia for 90s X-Men, but write them better just because they were written poorly back then, but looked cool. These kids aren't nine anymore. Yeah. Like you don't (laughs) need to write a bad book with cool art again, like have a, a great writer write it. And I think that that would be a good idea because I think for all the people that don't like what Jonathan Hickman's doing at the X-Men, because it Mm -hmm. is so antithetical to like 90s X-Men it's a great counterpoint to have as a book coming out right now. At the same time, hire a cool progressive writer. Matt Rosenberg on there. Yeah, that would be awesome. Mm, And have it look like the nineties, but instead they're not doing that. So I would Mm. give the art an eight and I'd give the writing a five Mm. and uh, y'all can split the difference there. Did you guys read Superman versus Imperius Lex number two? I did. What did you think Roman? I liked it. Uh, Mark Russell. I think it, uh, I, I really like the first one. I like the second one too. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that, it, that like, I think Mark Russell has two different gloves and one of them is just weighted and it makes his stuff a little bit heavy handed. And the other one is like this very sort of dexterous, um, like, like a very deft storytelling style. So you're that, talking about tool and rush. Exactly. Exactly. So you got, you got the Mark Russell tool and you got the Mark Russell rush and, uh, I think that this one is uh, more on the heavy-handed side, which means that it's the tool, which is probably my favorite band of all time. Tool hand, yeah. the tool hand. Tool hand, Luke. Tool hand, Luke. Tool okay. hand, Mark. No, that like... was the original bass player. Justin Chancellor is the new bass player. <laughs> okay. That was a joke. Paul was the original bass player. <laughs> I I didn't think that it was bad by any means, but it it just felt like he was 
um, he wasn't being as subtle as he is sometimes. Um, but dang, it was awesome to see Lois in that big uh, mining suit and to see the way that uh, the way that they kind of screwed Lex over. I thought was really fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It, it definitely wasn't um, as good as the first issue. Yeah. I'm mostly excited to see what Lex has on under that mask because he's got a mask on his face and we haven't seen him take it off yet. Um, yeah. And is there still one more issue of this? Yeah. It's a three issue run. Okay. Um, and so like in, in this issue, we kind of vacillate back and forth between Lex being part of the, uh, the, the planets. What's the planet? Oh, called? the United planets, the United planets. Um, and he's clearly a bad guy, but then they they find these crystals, the, the the deuterium crystals inside the mountain, and he gets super excited that he's going to be so rich, and he's a giant asshole and and kills people. And then at the end, the good guys figure out how to make fake deuterium crystals, mm. like synthesize them, so that Lex's riches are suddenly worth nothing. So it's. You know, it's it's kind of a comment on um, inflation and oil and despots, and it, it it's all coming from a good place. And I, I hope that the next issue feels well, like there's a little more subtle action in there. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. I I, I like the stuff about the crystals, but yeah, that issue I think my favorite part was just the <clears throat> the like four or five panels, maybe three or four panels where Lex and, and Lois are talking about the, the discovery of the crystals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like, this is my dream team. It's Mark Russell and Steve Pugh who did the Flintstones, which is tragically out of print in trade paperback. Oh, is it? Jeez. Uh, yeah. It should be illegal for that series to be out of print. Yeah. Hopefully what, that what? means that they're getting ready to do a, a big 12 issue trade. It's got to be what it means. Yeah, it's got to be what omnibus. It means. Give me an omnibus. Omnibus uh, or a... bust. Oh, Did you like that? Uh, you're getting a little blue here, bud. Omnibus or bust? It's like a. They no, got to no, call. No, no. like... They got to call it like the bedrock bus or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was bad, everybody. That was a bad joke. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm excited to read that second issue, but I haven't yet. What do y'all give it? I would give it seven and a half deuterium crystals. Real deuterium crystals not that synthetic shit. not that synthetic crap a synthetic canadian crap um rush was canadian yeah and i prefer canada anyway yeah um, <laughs> roman and i are moving let, to canada together Woohoo! well we can't for a while but <laughs> we don't give a fuck we can use those tunnels there's some tunnels up and under underneath sumas we can get across yeah um i'll give it a seven um you read another future state book you were going to talk about I did. Dark it was Detective? Dark Detective number four, which is the last issue. Um, and, and I thought it wrapped up the story pretty well. Kind of maybe killed some people in the end. Um, but it, it's like the final showdown between Bruce and Peacemaker 1. And it's got, um, it's got the uh, sort of the culmination of all the, the crazy roommate stuff that's been going on in Bruce's life and his daughter. And pretty 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 well done and the backup story with uh red hood and uh oh who's deathstroke's daughter quick uh ravager ravager yes. is that it yeah. i hardly even know her 
and the, and the white right and the, and the white rabbit the white right. rabbit the spider-man villain no the the i don't know i don't know is, is she the white rabbit whatever she is i like the art on her a lot um jason's helmet looks exceedingly dumb a few times hmm uh, oh yeah he's looking very red hit hood like the original is it like not joke, red hood. pulled down all the way what's going on yeah it's it's the newfangled red hood helmet that just goes down to just above his nose and, and seems like oh. a really good way to make him stop fighting you would just be to tilt his helmet down a little bit <laughs> i keep yeah. thinking that that new series newfangled red hood isn't going to be any good but you know maybe it will be <laughs> who knows newfangled red hood and the butt number laws. one in the butt laws <laughs> Uh, there's <laughs> only the three but laws <laughs> um, the in-laws uh so, yeah but it was good Guess, so I, I, I want spoilers i want to know who dies does the whichever yeah, what fox, was that jango you're really ambiguous about does that. whichever fox brother this batman is does he die i couldn't quite tell i think <laughs> that bruce wayne and peacemaker blow up in a building what yeah, I feel like I don't remember who Peacemaker is. He's the Peace, leader. Of the, Pe- he's <laughs> he's a leader of the Suicide Squad in another future state book. Yeah, but, well, he's he's the leader of the Magistrate. Peacemaker One is like I was asking. I asked Braden. I was like, "Who is the leader oh. of the Magistrate?" And he's like, "Just it's just fascists." Yeah, it's Pe- Peacemaker One. Okay, fuck um, that man. I was hoping it was good. like just okay. That's dumb. Yeah, it it's it's good. I, oh, wait, I, sorry, it's good. The, well, the, the stuff that I liked was kind of Bruce pretty destitute and having to think on his feet in a more Jason Bourne style. Like, he, he's got some gadgets, but he just has some gadgets. And I appreciate it when that's the thing that Bruce has to do rather, you know, it, you show him at his best rather than his most techie. I um, was mentioning in the Comics Place Discord today that uh, if you're interested at all in joining that, reach out there's a discord for the comics place and it would be awesome if everyone could get involved with it but no in talking about it uh will had asked if i was excited about the mariko tamaki taking over detective comics and i'm super excited about that because i think that she did a great job on dark detective as a run but it was sort of it was her first run of a several issue arc Mm -hmm. on detective and it was unfortunately you know railroaded by this whole future state thing and I think the Bruce stuff was interesting, but the trappings of the future state world and the magistrate and all of that, I'm just like have absolutely no interest in. Uh, so I'm really excited to actually see her get a chance to now just write detective comics. Yeah, we talked a few weeks ago about how sometimes constraints make writing better or in any creative endeavor yeah. can get better with some constraints. But the future state, the, the Batman family part of future state has felt more like rules than constraints. Yeah, like you, you know? need to do this. Like, yeah, well, yeah, you just have to, you have to include these things rather than, rather than giving limits. It was like, here's the story, now go write it. Um, And yeah, I, I wouldn't even mind if they kept, uh, kept the same artist on here. You oh, know, it's Dan Mora. It's Dan Mora. Yeah. He's <laughs> a fantastic artist at this point. So um, did you guys drop scores on that, babe? I drop a seven on that one. I dropped no score because I didn't read it. Nice. Do you mind if I jump in here with Steambound number one, Jeff? We would never mind. Oh, Nirvana, a, Nirvana reference. Nirvana I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Steambound number one 
from Behemoth Comics. This is written by Giuseppe Andreazzo, Andre, Andreazzi, Lorenzo DeSanto, and Francesco Citarelli. I decided to finally sit down and do some research about this company, Behemoth. It's an Italian company? Because all of their comics look gorgeous. They have nice, thick paper stock. They're, like, it's, their art is better than it should be. And what I learned is... It is a company that formed after the buyout of Amigo Comics at the end of 2019. And their first slate of books was at the beginning of 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Those poor bastards. Yeah. And then Cardinal Dagon was the first book I had read. And it was like one of the first books when we got to start making a podcast again in the pandemic. Or maybe it was like one of the final ones with books. (laughs) It was right in that liminal space there. But for whatever reason... They're just kind of close to my heart. I like the branding. I like the paper stock. I think the art is nice. Always reaches a little bit beyond what it's achieving. The art in this particular issue of Steambound is really nice. It's very close to, um, oh gosh, the artist for Chu, Mm -hmm. um, who I'm blanking on the name for right now. But anyway, I won't focus too much on it and I will have one of you guys fix that problem for me. Um, But... I don't know exactly what this book is about. It looks really nice and the characters interact in an interesting way. This particular book, Steambound number one, is interesting because I think the shortfalls of a comic book that has some inherent limitations are very clear in it. I think this artist is really great, Rob Guillory. Um, I think this artist is really great. Oh, I said it right before I got your message telling me it. Thank you. <laughs> um, the... Uh, the art is really great, but it seems like an artist that is kind of like that deviant art style artist. Like Peach Momoko is a person who in a couple months were going to be getting their first book with interior arts, even mm-hmm. though they've become incredibly famous by doing cover art. And there's this very distinct skill that is involved with sequential interior arts. How do you mm-hmm. tell a story from image to image? And well, I thought this image, this book had really pretty art. It was really confusing to tell what was going on, even though I enjoyed all of the panels. It didn't help that different text balloons had different, like they were shaded a certain color if they were coming from a cus- like a different character. Hmm. But then sometimes they would not be that color. Oh, so and like an editorial issue. It just seems kind of laden with air, ed- like spelling errors. And I have no, no shade at all. all. All three of these creators are Italian names. So I thought like maybe this is an Italian book that's been moved and that's why there's like spelling errors in it. But it doesn't look like it's a, production company that's like acquiring rights to foreign comics and translating them seems like it's actually um you know they're being hired to do this it's just i think it's fascinating um the comic book is fine it's some kids in a futuristic town it seems like it's going to be playing with some parallel reality stuff there's some type of a drug um there's a time jump going on that's very confusing and not clearly illustrated but like we're jumping between them being kids and adults there's never time frames referenced. What is most interesting about this particular issue from yeah, uh, Behemoth is that it clearly illustrates what I think are some of the shortcomings that you come across uh, when a, a comic creator isn't like an A-level creator. Mm-hmm. And I find that very interesting. It, it's a fine comic book. I'd give it a six. But what I think that it does really well unintentionally is illustrate, it shows you what really proficient storytelling is and what less developed storytelling is. And um, yeah, I, I think Behemoth Publishing is something to really watch because I think that they're getting some things greenlit. They're acquiring 
Like they got Hotline Miami. They're putting that book out. And oh, that one looks awesome. And it's based on a video game. So it's a property yeah. that's valuable. And then they did The Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is a movie mm-hmm. property. They've had some speculator buzz about their stuff. But if you're a specy, if you like possibly in, investing in things, like I, I think that there's some stuff coming from Behemoth that in two years, people will feel like uh, some of these early issues um, are nice to have. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting from a comic book medium standpoint more than it is a very good comic. I would give the comic book a six, but I can't stop checking in on all of these behemoth publisher books because uh, it's a really interesting thing. So that's my spot about that. You know, I did in a previous life, I spent some time at conventions watching a publisher kind of character um, like doing portfolio reviews. And one of the things that I saw him tell almost every single person was, this is really good, but you need to work on your line weights and have some varied line weights where things that are in the foreground, maybe have a thicker line and things in the background have a thinner line. Is that the kind of thing that you're noticing in that particular book? I think that's a really interesting thing to mention because I think that's incredibly important and becoming more and more prevalent with modern day art styles. We're getting Mm -hmm. a lot like things that are closer to the camera view of a thick line. That's not at all going on in this. I actually think the art, the art holistically is very good except for explain a single image should explain the information that happened between that image and the previous image. Right. And this doesn't do that. It's it's it reminds me of just like if somebody had posted a lot of really great art online on like deviant art or something. And someone was like, I'm going to get you a job doing comics. And they're needing to develop that skill of telling story through their art as opposed to just showing interesting images. Yeah, um, and that makes sense. Yeah. So it's it, it's interesting from that standpoint. Uh, but there's a lot of great images in here. So anyway, we have like two issues of copies of this left. If you're interested in comics as a publishing medium. I think y'all should scoop that up because I think that those things have a higher chance of becoming valuable later on than other comics. And I think it is just interesting in terms of looking at the history of a medium. Who's got another I read, book? I read a historical moment today. What? What was in Batman black and white number three? Oh, that was a, that's a big history thing for the last week and a half. We've been getting a lot of chowder about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a lot of buzz and okay. So to set this up, I'm sure you both remember last time Batman Black and White came out, number two, every single creator in there just blew us away. Like it was awesome story after awesome story after awesome story. And this one starts out pretty strong with um, John Ridley's Batman uh, writing an Olivier Coypel drawn story about um, his Batman Set in the magist- set in the time of the magistrate, but without magistrate stuff. And the bad guys here are proud boys, basically, beating up on Batman. And then when they finally break his mask, because this Batman has a, a mask over his mouth, they realize that he's black and they feel cheated that like these these racist assholes feel cheated that they've been beating up on a black guy rather than the real Batman. And then um, this Batman's Robin shows up and it's his sister. And so we've got like, uh, I don't know, she looks like she's 12 or 15 year old um, black girl with an awesome costume. Although we don't know what, what color her costume is. 
like there's no color because it's a black and white comic oh <laughs> and and she just kicks ass and then they they hang out and talk about um talk about their family a little bit and continue the adventure i hope that we get more john ridley i guess i'm not i'm, I'm a little bit out of touch with exactly what the plan is with this batman but we are we've got an ongoing series okay lit from him set that, in yeah. the magistrate times I think so, because I, there's a number of books that are being put out now that are basically, because I think that Future State is what 5G was going to be, and these mm -hmm. people wrote chunks of these issues, so that Batman, and there's a different one, I forget what it is, that are also okay. coming out as series that take place in that time frame. I'll, I'll check them out, because like this, this story interested me a lot more than the next Batman has. Which is which has been good enough, but uh, I thought was kind of a weak start for a new creator um, in in comics. This one I thought was a really really well done issue. Um, and then there's a Bilquis Evely story that I actually literally fell asleep reading, um, mostly because it's like medieval allegory Batman. Maybe I don't know. I skipped ahead. Yeah, that was a tough one. The art is the art is beautiful, but yeah, I yeah. did what did it hold my attention the art was like p craig russell yeah. vibes and I, I i started reading it even though i knew better because i don't like medieval stuff very much um so yeah yeah props to the art not not so much to the story and then the next one i kept i kept trying to identify the artist uh and it was bengal mm. yeah. really cool art um, i think i've only seen their art in death or glory but it's gorgeous yeah it, it was like Mazu Kelly meets John J. Muth meets uh, Michael Lark and uh, Mark Badger. And the reveal like, is that Bruce Wayne has a son who's blonde and he's Batman. Ooh. Yeah. So maybe another first appearance here. I'm excited to get a copy of that issue and read it. Just that it's hard to track down because it's, it's the book that we didn't order enough of because we ordered it like all the other issues. And oh. then secretly they snuck some things in it that makes everyone want it. Wow, that's that's too bad because I thought it was a pretty weak issue overall. Like I didn't care for the Bengal story. I just I like the art in the Bengal story. I thought the story was just it, it, the story was okay, but the art I really liked. Uh, the Kelly Jones one was also pretty weird. Tim Seeley and Kelly Jones um, basically following Batman as a ghost in a cemetery, and uh, Zatanna trying to help him find peace in in death i thought that was interesting yeah well i thought it was a i thought it was a way of wrapping up the old uh elseworlds red rain oh bat, bat batman except because of the except of the end i was like wait so is he not gone or is that just like a symbolic haunting image <laughs> yeah it was it was a little bit ambiguous um and and the art in that one was interesting it looked like kelly jones pencils put on a copy machine with the contrast turned way up like not it, it didn't feel inked to me mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah um and then the last story is nick dragata and the the story is just kind of beautiful art and it was awesome like big old big old bat mechs mm -hmm. killing killing yeah. each other and and fighting um love his art yeah, not not the best issue of this Batman Black and White, but holy shit, how are you going to beat number two? I was going to say, how do you follow up, guys? <laughs> number two? Well, uh, what do you give it as a whole? Uh, I'd give this one uh, 
I'd give those two stories that I liked probably uh, an eight and a half, and I would give the whole thing a seven and a half. Um, well, just really quickly, I want to mention Young Hellboy number one. Roman, you didn't read that from last week, did you? No. I don't you read Batman Black and White though. I did. Oh yeah, give a score for it. I'll give it a six. Nice. Nice. Young Hellboy, you say? Well, Young Hellboy number one is written by Mike Mignola. The art was by uh, Thomas Snigoski, uh, I believe. Oh, no, that's the co-writer. The art is by Craig Rousseau. Art by, or colors by Dave Stewart. This, it's Young Hellboy. I try and, at the beginning of the pandemic, like Django was saying, he started reading all of uh, Jason Aaron's Thor stuff. One thing I started doing was I just got the first library edition of Mike Mignola's Hellboy. I've never really read Hellboy. Justin's a big Hellboy fan. It's a cool world but above all i think mike mcnola's art is this incredible thing that i was kind of only just starting to realize how gorgeous it is so i've been reading all the first issues that were one shots of hellboy stuff that's come out in the last year and this one is fun because i think that it's it's not like baltazar and franco hellboy all ages like that itty bitty hellboy that had come out a couple years ago mm-hmm. but it does seem like an attempt to do an all ages hellboy story not a lot of bad language. The concept of hell is, a, you know, broached at, at a couple times, but not really any bad language as far as I remember. Hellboy and the professor that raised him are on an airplane and they're traveling somewhere and there's an assassin who needs to do the work of God and kill Hellboy. So he tries to destroy it. It kills the pilots and then the plane goes down, but the professor, the bad guy and Hellboy all survive and they end up on this island and a bunch of weird stuff starts happening on this island. I mostly just want to mention to folks, if you've not read Hellboy, I, they come out as miniseries at this point. And I think that, I really think that every single one of them starts off in a spot where if you've never read Hellboy, you could read it. And Hellboy is one of these things that is such a part of the history of comics mm-hmm. that if you haven't read Hellboy, I bet somewhere in your brain, you've been like, I kind of want to read Hellboy at some point. Like if you're listening to this podcast, I bet you've thought, I should read Hellboy at some point if you haven't. And I just want to tell listeners that every number one for Hellboy that you see is a genuinely good jumping on point. I've only read that first volume and then all the current day stuff. I don't know the mythos, but it's um, it's fun. The characters present who they are kind of immediately. You don't ever feel uninformed. Uh, the art in this one is not quite as good as it is in like, a Mignola one or uh, an Adam Hughes, you know, story, but it's good. And I think that this one, it's channeled young Hellboy. I think it's an attempt to maybe if you're a Hellboy fan, be able to read it with your kids. Um, yeah. I, I just, I feel every once in a while, like we need to mention Hellboy, which is a, a pretty important part of the history of comics and is it's not a closed. It's not like the X-Men where you kind of feel like you need to know things or else you're out of the club. I think you can, Start with any number one of the four issue miniseries of Hellboy and you'll enjoy it. This one was not my favorite, but it's pretty good. It's not as good as those like Adam Hughes one shots that come out each Christmas or something, but I would give this 6.5. But I think that if you have a kid or kids and you could share it with them, I think it would be a, a thing that is more enjoyable than just like a six or 6.5. So that's, that's my young Hellboy take. Nice. Cool. I, I like that. I like that it kind of kind of join, joins the hemispheres of young and old. Exactly. And yeah. and I think that's important, especially with something like Hellboy, which is a sort of like a, a legacy type of comic book, right? Like there's a lot of it's people who've probably been reading comic book or Hellboy for 25 years. So 
And a lot of people who have been reading comics for 30 years who haven't read Hellboy because they're intimidated by it. Exactly. Like me. No, I am the same way. That's why I was like, I have to, I even was like, Justin, can I start anywhere? He's like, no, you should start at the beginning. Um, (laughs) And I, I, I think for like the main series stuff, that's true. But I think for the last 10 or 15 years, it's just been like little five issue story arcs that it comes out as. Yeah. I think all of those you can kind of just dip into. I want to use this moment to invite anyone to talk about any comics that they have left on the docket. Unless no, then I'll move to some emails. The only other comics I read this week weren't comics from a week that I could identify. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I liked the last witch number two a lot. I thought orcs number one was good, but who knows when those came out? Yeah, I think the latest Iron Man that was the same week as this issue of Thor, that Christopher Cantwell was still good stuff. Tony had his spine broken, and now we can't get they can't take him out of his armor because he'll die because his armor is the only thing holding his like spine together. Oh, back Classic. to the basics. Yeah, yeah, it broke his dang back, is what Marvel keeps saying. <laughs> At the end of last week's podcast, Jingo posed a very important question. Me? I don't know if anyone remembers it because we all just immediately shut our brains down. Um, I, I don't remember it at all, buddy. Was and, it some kind of fly-by-night question? And then in Batman and Quarantine this week, we said everyone needs to listen to this episode because there's going to be an important question at the end of it that will be our crossover question between Perfectly Acceptable Podcast and Batman and Quarantine. But before we get to that, I will get to the questions uh, that have been, the, the responses that have been posed to Django's question last week. From Dino Cipino. Question uh, response number one. Hey guys, no punishment this time, <laughs> pun. Straight away to the Peanuts casting. Charlie Brown has bad luck. So going with Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Sally, Charlie Brown's sister, has everything go her way in con- contrast. So going with the luckiest mutant, Domino. Snoopy, Domino's pug, Pip. Woodstock, the faithful dragon, Lockheed. Lucy can be nice, but definitely enjoys torturing Charlie Brown. So Ilyana Rasputin, magic, my favorite. Linus seems most spiritual of the group. So Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler. Pigpin, kind of a big slob. So got to go Fred Dukes, the blob. Finally, little red-haired girl. Charlie Brown's crush will be MJ, <laughs> a.k.a. Mary Jane Watson. Now a question for you guys. Figuring oh, no. with Sam Raimi directing Doctor Strange 2, we get a Bruce Campbell appearance what multiverse version of an MCU character would you cast him as? Is Sam Raimi dra- directing Doctor Strange 2? It's new to me. It's new to me. God, that'd be amazing if he is. Holy crap. Well, he did a <laughs> slew of Spider-Man movies that are either good or not good, depending on how you look at it. And all included Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cameos. Bonesaw. <laughs> what multiverse version of an MCU character would you cast bruce campbell as i would i would make him punisher i think he'd be a great punisher yeah i think he'd be a good punisher but i'd make him punisher with the war machine armor oh, i want his ho- yeah. i want his armor to open up and show oh. bruce campbell's face as the reveal what do you think he would say would they let dino write that line yeah they'd let dino write that line what do you think roman oh man i i don't know god i know who he play in the dcu mcu so just the movies Mm-hmm. yeah um, but it's the multiverse it's the multiverse movie so it could be any sort of elseworlds mcu character but marvel yeah okay 
Oh, geez. I don't know. Um, the thing. I don't know. I love Bruce Campbell, but I love the thing so much. You got to have just the right guy to play the thing. man thing. No, because he doesn't speak. You got to have Bruce Campbell these, speaking. No one liner. Softballs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Come back to me. Okay. Well, I like that answer. I'm going to move on to the next one, which is from Andrew Carlson. Um, and this is really fucking interesting. I hadn't read it until just now. Um, hey, guys. I just wanted to share a weird but fun tidbit about my comics reading experience. Much like Roman, I love the letters column. And the last two-ish years of reading comics from, from many decades, there is one person I have seen more letters from than anyone else in comics of any genre and every publisher. Wow. Rabbi Stephen LeBeau from Marietta, Georgia. Hmm. So I challenge both you guys and mostly the listeners to keep an eye out in your back issues for more of his letters. I always enjoy reading a LeBeau letter. They're very kind. I suppose we will end with a question, which I will steal from the glorious Dino Chupino who just asked one. <laughs> As we were tossing questions back and forth the other week, who would be your new and wacky Sinister Six? Not just spider villains, but limited to Marvel. Just use anti-heroes if you want. So who's our Sinister Six? I think that letters thing is fascinating. I've never noticed yeah. that. Rabbi LeBeau. Let's all look like Reggie yeah. Ledoux. And, and if I Rabbi were gonna, Reggie Ledoux. If I were going to guess, oh, I've never seen that guy's name in a letters page. Andrew Shaw, is that his name? Wrote into Kirkman Comics almost every month for like 10 years. Hmm. and was just he he, he would tear down an issue and just shit on it and then a couple issues later he'd be like yeah this one wasn't so bad but that last one before that that was shit i can't believe you would do this to these characters <laughs> heard of that. it was like this crazy little jousting competition between him and kirkman or whoever was editing kirkman's comics and it went on for years and then the guy just kind of disappeared and maybe reappeared a couple of years later with a couple of letters, but like many other people, he just dropped off the walking dead at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so are we, are we choosing two each? Oh, I like that. Robin idea. style. I, I, like I got idea. my first one in the chamber. Okay. Well, I got mine too. So Jenga, uh, you start it. Irredeemable Ant-Man. Is your first series. First of the sinister secret. Sinister. 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 Irredeemable Ant-Man. Um, okay, cool. Well, I like that because mine's Dr. Doom. Holy oh. shit. The Sinister would, Six, they're bad guys. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, he would never be on a team, though. Um, I'm, I'm going to take, take Dr. Octopus. Okay, that's a great... I oh, love him. gosh. You guys right. choose, are, are you guys choosing green characters for your other two? <laughs> um, no, I just wanted <laughs> to make sure I, I don't first yet. green. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... Uh... Okay, this, this is cheating, but I'm going to do it. It's Electro, because you cannot have a Sinister Six without Electro. It's against the rules. Yeah, like, similarly, mine. I was thinking Scorpion, but uh, I'm not going to do him now, because he's green and yellow and a Sinister Six one. Ooh, okay. I choose Evil Reed Richards, Ultimate Reed Richards, because I just am in love with oh, him now. Nice. Now I don't know what to do, because Sinister Six, Six, I was assuming they have to be Spider-Man villains. No, he said, out, he's just in the broad, he oh. said who would be your new wacky sinister six not just spidey villains but limited to marvel oh say jigsaw, say jigsaw. okay 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 <laughs> um 
because she's on my mind because Django mentioned that rabbit character, the white rabbit. Ooh. So we've got the white rabbit, Dr. Octopus, <laughs> Electro. Who was your first one, Django? The irredeemable Ant-Man. The irredeemable Ant-Man doesn't make sense to me. And then uh, Dr. Doom and uh, Ultimate Reed Richards. Ultimate Reed Richards and Dr. Doom are just going to like turn their back to this shitty-ass Sinister Six organization <laughs> and figure something else out themselves. They're going to use them yeah. all as cannon fodder. That's true. They're it's going to be great. That's true, yeah. Ant-Man yeah. is going to be sent inside of uh, Hulkbuster, and when he tries to expand, he's going to expand too fast, and the Hulkbuster armor it's won't expand, bust. and he's going to be fucked. Oh. He's going to be squished, expanding, and he's going to push Tony Stark out like uh, like a Play-Doh extruder. <laughs> If you want to ask a question or respond to a question, you can send an email to jeff at thecomicspace.com. I love getting them. I love getting responses to these questions, and I love getting responses that have new questions posed in them. Thank you both Dino and Andrew for doing that, responding and posing a new question. I love that. Anyone else can do that. If you haven't done it before, do it. I'm looking at you. I'm staring at you right now, and I'm saying, please do that. Uh, it would be fun because it brings all three of us or four of us when it happens, joy. So do that. Jeff at thecomicspace.com. We'll get it. We'll love it. And we'll read it online. And you don't have to be embarrassed about anything at all. Uh, Django, hmm. what else we got? Uh, I, got, I got my Bruce Campbell answer. What's that? I want him to play Hawkeye, but I want to be like, not necessarily old man Hawkeye, but like old washed up Hawkeye that's trying to make a comeback. So like bad Ronan Hawkeye, he was like Hawkeye, <laughs> then Ronan, then he was like, no, I just can't even fucking do it anymore. But I, then I have to. Kind of, yeah. But you know, like Campbell's current age is what sixty. I don't know. Yeah, he's an old man. Like, like still retired, not pulled out of retirement yet. Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, well, Jeff, we should have people like, comment, and subscribe. That's uh, very Im- okay. That's really important, everyone. Yeah, the most important. Also. Join our new Discord server. Is that the right words in the right order? I think server so. I'm Discord. not an expert on it. I've only been using it for a while, but Andrew Carlson, friend of the show, uh, amazing, amazing human being, built uh, Discord. He's built all the channels. There's, you know, you can have room to add new channels if you want. It's super fun. It's open for a couple of days. We want more and more people in it. So if you're listening to this and you're not in the Discord channel, get into it. If you're not into Discord, there's a Facebook group. Get into Facebook as well. Like you can oh, do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, just just roll the bones and join. Roll the bones and join. Roll um, the bones. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm bopping around the Discord. Um, Django it's, bopped around it a little bit. It's, it's it's a rare chance to see Jeff on social media of any kind. Is there a music uh, s- subreddit on our Discord? No, there's not. We should do that. I also even hesitate to consider it social media, but I suppose it is social media. I mean, um, it's something. Uh, I, we don't have to call it something. that if it's going to keep you there. Yeah, if you call it social media, I might dip. So that's a good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone should get into that because it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool people there. You know, Chris, who used to work at the shore, store, showed up. But that's awesome because he's, you know, a, a shop family member. Judd, who's a big fan of the Batman Quarantine podcast, is on there. There's sub channels for all the different podcasts. So check, check the Discord out. It's real it's, cool. It's one of the few places that you can have a conversation without Roman seeing it yet because he hasn't <laughs> Liking signed up. everything yeah um but yeah that that is a good thing um so as we get out of here we appreciate everyone's patience we don't know there are books from next week sitting on our warehouse there are books from two weeks ago sitting there there are books from a week and a half ago that were in boxes covered with shampoo 
and repackaged by UPS. That just like, showed up. So yeah. Who knows? If, if you're confused, yeah, we're more confused. So uh, bear with us. We appreciate your patience. We'll see you all next week. But before we get out of here, we're going to do some outros. And then Django is going to pose the all-important question that is the crossover from Batman and Quarantine and Perfectly Acceptable Podcast. Oh, I God. am always am the Alex Lifeson to Django's and Roman's uh, Getty Lee and Neil Peart. I am always no 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 the no <laughs> no, no. Roman what? goes and then you go and pose your question i want to be the robbie robertson oh. to your bob dylan oh yeah well never mind sorry to take it back no question this week robbie robertson to my bob dylan <laughs> roman who are you um, um i'm the pete best to your john lennon wow we really carried that rush thing home and on that um, note we'll wait, see jeff, everybody uh, jeff wait wait wait, wait. wait, a minute, wait a minute what's on your mind i bud? was thinking <laughs> i I, I got a question. Okay. What is it? Okay. If you could choose any creator, any artist that did not do any drawing for any issue of Grant Morrison's Batman run to do the covers for the oh. entire series, who would it be? I love putting pressure on you to create a question but not reminding <laughs> you about it until the last minute because you come up with gold you come up with gold yeah, when you overthink it it's not good but when you jazz music it you're such a good jazz musician i have a question for you before we get out of here Django. all right all right if you were in a jazz band mm -hmm. what would be your instrument uh gosh i should probably play the maracas what would you do roman alto sax you yeah. don't you don't you don't want me on the maracas <laughs> okay <laughs> pro this tip was about, this was about what you want pro tip do uh, you want to be on me the on the maracas is like post jazz whatever whatever is harder to listen to than the hardest jazz to understand <laughs> that is me on the maracas okay, okay. so do you have a uh, sounds, sounds like i'm falling down the stairs do you have a different uh, with more less rhythm. like a less hidden in the corner instrument than the keyboards. keyboards? The keyboard player. Good. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being patient and bearing with us. We do love all of you. Please write and review. Write a review. Unlike it. Um, do that. And uh, Roman, Lord bless him, read all of the half of the boxes that showed up from this week and brought the comics for next week's now podcast <laughs> to this week's podcast because the world is falling apart. So yeah. thank you. Roman. So by next, so by next week's all forgotten these ones yep. that I read a few days ago. So cool. So look forward to that everyone. And we'll <laughs> see you next week.